This podcast is brought to you by Erickson Immigration Group. Welcome to Immigration Nerds. Today joining me is Erickson Immigration Group's Associate Attorney and first-time guest, Sarah Amendola. On November 10th, USCIS proposed updates to the policy guidance for certain H-4, E, and L non-immigrant dependent spouses, which will provide automatic work authorization for spouses in these categories. We will discuss the specific changes under the new proposal and how you can be prepared during this year's application process. So it was a pleasure to have you on, Sarah, to walk us through it. Hi, Anne. Thanks. Happy to be here and to tell everyone about this new policy change. Cool. All right. So let's start from square one. When it comes to H4 and L2, also expanded to E3D, what are these classifications used for? So these are dependent classifications of someone in the primary work authorization status. So H4 would be the family of an H1B holder. L2 is the family of an L1 holder. And E3D is the family of primary E3 holder. Okay. When it comes to USCIS, what are the immediate changes that were proposed on November 10th? And how would that affect the applicants? Okay, so I guess to start a little bit with background for who these dependents and which ones are eligible for work authorization, only the spouses in H4, L2, or E3D status are eligible. Um, Minor children are not eligible, even if they're 17, 18. By the law, they're not able to get this work authorization, just the spouses. And it's open to all L2 and E3D spouses. But for H4, the principal H1B holder must have an approved I-140 for the H4 holder to be eligible to have employment authorization. So that's just a little bit of background. Want to make note that it's not opening it up to like all H4 spouses, the H4 spouses who are eligible, that all remains the same. There has been a lot of issues recently, past few years even, because when these status holders want to work, they have to apply for an employment authorization document, an EAD. And the processing times for the EAD. Sometimes it's six months, but recently it is now over 12 to 13 months. So they are not eligible to start to work until they have the physical copy of the employment authorization document. They would be given this employment authorization document to be valid for a time period to match the principal status. So if the H-1B expires in February, 2024, the H-4 status and the H-4 EAD would expire February 2024. That's very simplified. There are other things that could happen. Someone could have their status shortened to their passport expiration date, as an example, but that's the general rule. To file for the extension H-4, L-2, E-3D, normally they would file to extend when the principal like the H-1B holder, the L-1B holder, or the E-3 would file to extend. If there aren't changes in the position, they're only eligible to file for this extension at most 180 days before their status expires. The good news for the H-1B holder, L-1, E-3, is that their applications can now be premium processed, so the government will review in 15 days. Even if it's not premium processed, 
they have a 240 day grace period of continued work authorization as long as their extension was timely filed and remains pending. But for their spouses, once their status expires and their, their EAD document expires, they lose work authorization. So before, once their EAD expired, which would most likely be when their status expired, they would not be able to continue to work. And so they would have periods of six to eight or more months of unemployment while they wait to get the new EAD card. Mm-hmm. And uh, is there a specific cause you s- speak in previously about usually take six months, right? And it extended to about 12 to 13 months. Is there any uh, reasoning uh, is because of backlogs or something that's happened specifically at USCIS? So obviously the pandemic is a large influence here, mm-hmm. um, but the last administration had a new requirement for biometrics to be taken for these dependent categories when they would file to extend. And so their biometrics are normally always taken um, when they get their visa to come to the US. So there should not be a need for them to have the biometrics taken when they're here to extend their status. And again, this is in general, doesn't apply to Canadians. The requirement for biometrics was a huge burden on the system and that happened during COVID. It took just longer for everything because of COVID, but then because of the biometrics and having to go in person to do these, it kept getting delayed and backlogged more. I guess the other thing to add is that the EAD could not be approved before the status extension is approved because you're only able to work because you're in this status. Right. Even now, the EAD processing times for these categories is is lower than the status extension. It could take 12 months for your status extension, but the EAD processing time is only nine. Even with this change, you still need to rely on having that valid status. Mm -hmm. Got it. When the applicants are going through this process and this new adjustment, will they need additional information uh, to apply or is the same information in terms of like background checks and uh, just overall uh, identification? And if so, uh, how should they prepare for this? So I guess the application process is is not different. What is different now is that H4 spouses who have an employment authorization document, if it expires and they timely filed to renew, they will be able to continue to work with that expired EAD for up to 180 days or until the new EAD is issued, if that's sooner. But they need to maintain valid H-4 status. And so if they have to file to extend their H-4 status at the same time they're filing for the EAD, this new change will not help them because they they still need to have that H-4 status approved. They can't just be in a grace period where when you file to extend, you're able to stay in the country lawfully as long as you timely file to extend. That doesn't count for them to keep working they need to show that they have actual valid H-4 status. One thing they could do is travel abroad if they have a valid visa stamp and re-enter with a copy 
of their spouse's H-1B approval that's already been extended for the extended period of time. And they show that along with their normal marriage certificate, spouse's documents, and they should be given an I-94 for the extended period to match the spouses. That's a way to extend your H-4 status without relying on USCIS. And only when you maintain that valid status are you able to keep using your EAD once it expired while you're waiting for a new one. It seems kind of convoluted. So if they're it in the helps, US, they have but to it doesn't. So it's helpful travel. for some people, mm-hmm. but it's not it's not as overwhelming of a change as people want. Mm-hmm. Got it. Got it. Uh, so you might have to do a little additional traveling. <laughs> and have a valid visa stamp. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, visa appointments are not where they used, used to be easy to come by. Pay attention to all those COVID restrictions. Yes, <laughs> you definitely have to keep your eyes to different travel guidance because that is fluid right now. So the changes that you just mentioned, when does that officially go into effect? Is, is there like a, a grace period or is there a period where this policy could be amended before it goes into effect? Uh, what does that look like? So the court order came out, I think, on a Wednesday. And USAS released the policy on a Friday to be effective immediately. Um, the other part to it is for L2 and E3D. All of them are authorized to work pursuant to their status. It doesn't matter. The I-140 for the primary is not a requirement. So for them, I think this is this is what's really major is in the future, USCIS said 120 days, they will be able to have work authorization incident to their status. So you know, next June, someone comes here in that status, they don't need to apply for an EAD. They'll be issued I-94, which is their status document, and they will be able to work just on the basis of that I-94. When someone in L2 or E3D status as the spouse applies for that I-94 or enters the country, they will be able to have work authorization just pursuant to their status. So making it a much more streamlined process, easier and faster and more efficient, it yeah, sounds like. they don't even need to apply for anything. But until that point, if they already have an EAD that's expiring, they'll follow the same procedure as the H-4 spouse. They'll use the expired EAD as long as they timely file to renew. They will have up to 180 days of continued work authorization. Okay, cool. So let's pull back. We have the nuts and bolts, but an overall perspective on how these changes may affect the economics of the United States, the the workforce. Do you see this having a, a positive impact on the immigration community? And how may automatic work authorizations of spouses ultimately help the United States? It's definitely very beneficial to avoid that gap in work, work authorization, because in those scenarios, you, you could have someone working for two years, and then when their EAD expires, they need to be taken off payroll, they can't work, and they would have to wait until they physically got the new EAD card. So mm-hmm. to take someone off of payroll, they can't work for six, eight months, that's that's pretty rough. It's a disruption to the business, it's a disruption to the person and their family, their career. 
Right. I mean, and you think about eight months without work, there's a lot of paychecks <laughs> being missed. And if you're a household with a husband and wife, uh, oftentimes the spouses would have to stay in the home country, right? Because they weren't able to work in the United States be because of this uh, issue. So now these families are no longer have to be separated. They can all um, move together and, and stay together during this uh, process. So I think that's also taking into account the, the family aspect of this policy. Yeah. Um, and a big thing I've seen with clients is that it's just more, I think, equality. So one spouse doesn't need to give up their career, their right, right to work. Um, or their ability to work just because of the other one deciding to pursue this great employment opportunity in the United States. We're, we have this episode and it comes out. Don't tell me that, you know, in a week, everything changes. So you're saying this is set in stone uh, in terms of like the policy guidelines. Um, is it open to be amended maybe in, in the future? Uh, I think I kind of asked before, but we didn't get it around to it just to make sure that people who are listening, they're going through the process that, hey, this is something that's set in stone as, as of now. I think it, the change, USCIS changed the policy manual very quickly. It took a long time of people having to be frustrated with this process, but it's not something that's like passed by Congress. So USCIS change the policy manual. Mm -hmm. If something else happens, mm -hmm. <laughs> they could change it back. Um, mm -hmm. And there are also indirect ways that this could be changed because, or not change fully, but things could change to impact it. Like the change for biometrics slowed everything down. Well, mm -hmm. there's no longer that biometrics requirement, but everything's still backlogged. A different presidential administration, different priorities, Anything in the socio-political sphere, there's a need for increased vetting. All these things could have an impact. But as of now, it sticks. Yes. <laughs> and I don't, I don't foresee it changing for, for a while, um, at least. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for this update. Definitely had to have you come in because you wrote uh, a beautiful brief for us on our website, updating our clients on these new changes. And hopefully this news is quite welcoming uh, to people who are going through this process and make it a little easier for spouses and their families so you can still work while uh, your spouse is uh, working in the United States. So uh, this is uh, good news to have. And hopefully uh, those who hear it, they can be prepared for this change. It doesn't really change too much. It just makes it a little bit easier. Right. Secure right. their status extensions earlier if possible so they can keep working. Right. And that was one of my questions I was saying, just wrapping up, what sort of recommendations you have for uh, clients and their spouses so they're best prepared? I think the H4, L2, E3, they should always file to extend their status when their spouse does. If their spouse has like an amendment petition where they could extend as well, it's always beneficial so they could secure their status for a longer period of time. They could also apply for a new EAD then, but still just keep securing your status as long as you can. If you, if you have a valid visa stamp, if you want to, if you can travel abroad and re-enter after your spouse has that extension, do it mm -hmm. because this only benefits you as long as you have valid status. Yeah. And 
again, USCIS is taking 16 months in some cases for the status extension. The EAD extension is not taking as long, but this won't help you if your status extension is still pending and you don't have status. So make sure to file at the same time as your spouse. Sarah, thank you so much. Uh, if there's any new news, I might have to have you uh, drop by again and uh, give us some more insights, but uh, you have been incredibly insightful and I appreciate your time. Well, thanks for having me. Happy to talk about all these changes. Follow Immigration Nerds on Twitter at IMMNerds and Erickson Immigration Group on LinkedIn to join in the conversation. I'm Ian Gaines. See you next week.